eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You've discovered your link to gopowercat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, gopowercat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Insiders podcast, gopowercat.com's early week edition of our PowerCat podcast, and we're brought to you by Blue Mark Energy. Tim Fitzgerald, Matt Walters, and Jay Heidrich will be joining us shortly as we are going to go ahead without him because i got a few things I want to talk to Matt about that don't involve men's basketball. As I mentioned, does your company or your employer spend $4,000 or more a year on energy bills? Would you like to reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability? If so, it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Okay, Matt, we will get into men's basketball a little bit later in this podcast, but last week they unveiled the 2021 Kansas State football schedule. We knew the non-conference schedule go to Arlington to play Stanford and then come home to play Southern Illinois and a pretty good Nevada team. So it's a salty non-conference schedule by K-State standards. Of course, they open on the road. What would life be like without that at Oklahoma (laughs) State? And then they come home to play Oklahoma, have an off week, and play Iowa State. Matt Walters, your first three games in the Big 12 are Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. That is a heck of a way to get into conference play. And if you survive it, you're in pretty good shape, aren't you? Yeah, you are. I just I, Every year, the first thing I look for is that first Big 12 game. Because like Bill Snyder, I still want to see that computer. Uh, it's, it's just <laughs> become so commonplace. It's comical. The K-State always opens on the road uh, in Big 12 play. Um, but... Yeah, and like you said, you got you got the two uh, from down south, OU and O State, and then Iowa State to to start it. Um, you know what what's the what's everything going to look like when we get to that point? You know, are we going to be back to that closer normal or, or not? But um, it's 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 going to be fun, and in you know, some ways, I'm I'm already excited for football season. It's a long ways away. I want to see what. You know, with the, the new guys that have come in and, and the guys that are going to stay, Skyler Thompson's in suit and so forth, just what 2021 is going to be all about. I agree. I'm I'm intrigued by the possibilities of this season. And uh, I did a schedule analysis at Go Power Cat. Honestly, Matt, I don't know what to expect. I look at a, a, a schedule this front loaded the first half of the season. I mean, in addition to those three Big 12 games, you've got Stanford and a, a pretty good Nevada team coming to Manhattan. So you've got five big tests in the first half. And I, I don't know what to expect from Southern because they only played one game in the fall. They won that. Uh, and they're, like most FCS programs, having a spring schedule. They'll turn around on short notice and uh, play a fall schedule. Does that mean they'll be still beaten up from the season? or still in good form from the season, uh, it's just going to be very interesting. We've never seen anything like it. It does get more manageable after going, uh, having Iowa State come to town. You go to you go to Texas Tech, and, and you've got a string of games in there that are more manageable. What really intrigues me about this, Matt, is because you open on the road and you close on the road at Texas, the middle seven Big 12 games, five of them are at home, and one of the road games is in Lawrence. You leave the state of Kansas 
to go to Texas Tech once in the middle of your season, in the heart of the season. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. And I think uh, if K-State can survive that start, they're going to be in good shape in the middle because they'll have a lot of home games stacked up there. Uh, I know I'll be excited for you know that, that first game against Stanford. Now, I, I will say I totally understand it. We've seen this so many times, Fitz, over the, the course of, of you know our careers covering K-State football. I really wish that Stanford was coming to Manhattan, but uh, okay, it is what it is, and we know why. There's not going to be a Christian McCaffrey to deal with yep. this time, um, you know. And he was he was a little bit banged up when K State played out at Palo Alto, as I recall. But uh, I'm looking forward to that game. If K State can win that, I think that springboards them. I mean, you mentioned Nevada is going to be a, a pretty good non-con um, coming in, and again, I will say. I would much rather play Oklahoma earlier than later. So uh, I'm good with the fact that that's happening again, even though, you know, Kansas State got taken to the woodshed uh, by him uh, this past year. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think there's going to be enough changes with this football team. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, what kind of sophomore campaign does Deuce Vaughn have? Uh, you know, there are some key guys back on defense, but you lose, you know, one of the, the top defensive ends. Uh, so it's, um, I think it's a, it's, it's a schedule and you bring up a good point is what kind of, what kind of shape is K-State in after the, those first three conference games? Are they healthy? Are they, you know, playing well? Have they won uh, quite a few of those ball games? So, um, you know, Chris Kleiman and his staff have some work, but, uh, with some with some good things happening early on in September, that really could be a nice table setter. Yeah, it'll be very intriguing. Second topic I want to get to with you is Kansas State basketball has a win in 2021. It belongs to the women. They finally got over the hump and got a win over Kansas this past week. Your thoughts on the state of the women's program right now? Well, boy, I tell you, they needed that win badly uh, on on Saturday against Kansas. They'd lost by seven down in Lawrence. Um, you know, KU coming into the, the ball game on Saturday had not won a game when they'd scored less than 70 points. So for me, that was, you know, an, an interesting target. Would, would KU be able to get to 70 points or not? And, and lo and behold, what happens is, Kansas State just comes flying out of the, the gates. I mean, from the opening tip, you know, K-State, before you know it, is up 15-0. Uh, they led by 21 at halftime. They, they'd held KU to nine points in the first and the second. They were doing a lot of good things. They were hitting shots. And then in the second half, really for me, Fitz, is what, what had been so commonplace is K-State giving up leads in the second half. And KU got it down to 10 a couple of times, but K-State, who was down a couple of starters in Sidney Goodson and, and Chrissy Carr, uh, they did not let the game get down to single digits. They kept KU at arm's length, and you know they wound up uh, winning it going away. And granted, it was an 11-point game, but it really wasn't that close. But they needed it. The kids did. The coaches did. Everybody did. Um, and, you know, they've got Oklahoma State tomorrow night, and I, I'll – I'll say what I said a moment ago. That was a game where K-State led by one with four and a half minutes to go and then gave up a 15 nothing run. Oh. So uh, we'll see how they do in Stillwater and then and how they do down at Austin coming this weekend. I mean, then we're seeing today, you know, games here and there being postponed and rescheduled. So while the women got uh, a handful of games rescheduled and some in early March, including a couple of home ones, you know, I don't. I don't know if you hold your breath. Um, we'll see if they're able to actually finish everything out in the regular season. Yeah, it's been a strange season for basketball. Kansas State. They both have struggled, but for entirely different reasons. It's been kind of crazy to watch this historic uh, struggling that's been going on. Final topic for you before we bring in Jay Heidrick. K State baseball. I think people are a little bit fired up uh, for baseball. Twofold. Uh, one is they're very promising, very good pitching staff. Two, after this basketball season, 
Fans would probably appreciate a dose of success from the baseball program. And if the weather's nice and maybe we see some restrictions lifted, we might have some decent crowds out of Toynton Family Stadium this season as uh, the renovations are in place. And, and it, I'm kind of excited baseball, and I think we're going to cover some of it this year for Coach Pete Hughes and company. And uh, I'm very optimistic. You know, what, what I'll say, Fitzy, is – uh, and in in no way, shape, or form am I going to rain on the optimism parade because I'm right there with you. Uh, if you want to really think outside of the box about this baseball team, uh, the way I'm looking at it, and, I, and I'd have to go back and look, Fitz, but I think this is either year 26 or year 27, uh, for me, covering K-State baseball. And this could be the best pitching staff that K-State has ever had um, in in that time frame. Uh, I would be interested to see what Mike Clark would say about, you know, some staffs that he had back in the day. And we've had some good pitchers. But collectively, uh, K-State's pitching staff could be the best ever. Um, you know, last year, and granted it was limited, um, about you know about a third of the season had been played, but K State CRA was you know just a couple of uh, pounds above two. And when you look at what they have on the weekend and some of the early season accolades these guys are getting from you know Jordan Wicks to, to Carson Seymour uh, to you know the, the McCullough kid who did some really good things uh, last year as well. Um, there's great reason for optimism. Now, what I will also say, and and this is for people that maybe don't know as much about Big 12 baseball, is the Big 12 this year is going to be absolutely loaded. I mean loaded. Whether you're talking about Texas Tech, who's picked third in the country in, uh, in multiple preseason polls, you know, TCU, West Virginia, Texas is going to have great pitching. To me, it's always can Texas score. Um, you know, Oklahoma State is going to be legit, and they've got the Taj Mahal of baseball parks in college baseball now. Like K-State actually plays down there uh, in March, I believe. I don't have the schedule quite memorized, but it's a $75, $80 million facility that going to rival a couple of others like Mississippi State, but Oklahoma will be good. Again, they've lost some players, but really fitsy from top to bottom. I mean, Kansas State was picked preseason number or picked preseason number seven in the Big 12 by the coaches. Number seven, that's pretty good. And Kansas State, I, I think if K-State finishes seventh or sixth or, you know, above, I think there's a really good shot that K-State's in the NCAA tournament. I mean, right. K-State could be K-State could be, you know, let's say 500 in conference play. And if they're 500 in conference play, they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. I mean, you can you can take that one to the bank. There's going to be no doubt. So they open this weekend. They go down to Arizona. They start with Oregon State, which they're a perennial power. Um, I'm just thrilled that K-State gets to – get out of town and go play because with what the weather's done, not just in the last few days, but in the last couple of weeks, uh, practice outside has been limited and that's tough. So they're going to get a couple of days to get their feet under them down in Arizona before they, they open with Oregon State on Friday. I hope they're not practicing out today. It's nope. I think it's negative five. <laughs> Um, so, but they're going to be in Arizona tomorrow and they're going to be loving life. So good, good for them. I, do they have room on the plane? Because I think I want to go. Well, I go cover baseball in Arizona. I, I would be right there with you, partner. <laughs> I know I'm making a, an early season trip um, about a month from now when K State plays uh, in a tournament down at Rice. Nice, and that, that'll bring back great memories because that's where K State's postseason lives started for the first time years ago when they played in that Rice Regional and. They were within a win of getting to a super regional, and what would have happened is we would not have even have come home. We would have gone straight from Houston over to Baton Rouge and played, you know, LSU. Uh, their their facility is called the Box, and uh, that would have been something else. In case they didn't have enough pitching that year, you remember AJ Morris mm-hmm. and 
uh, what a, that Saturday night game, Fitzy when K State beat Rice. Um, they beat a kid by the name of, um, give me just a second here. I, I want to say it was Adam Berry. Or may, it may have been Josh Berry. Forgive me. I, his last name was Berry, but the kid looked like he was a chemist. Had glasses, but man, was he was kind of like a Greg Maddox. Um, and K State had AJ Morris, who was, you know, uh, phenomenal. And K State beat him that night. But I was, that is the most nervous to that point in covering K State baseball I had ever been that night when we got into the seventh and eighth innings. And you're thinking, man, you win this game, you're one win away from getting to a super regional. Um, that was one of those, that was a hallmark victory that night when K-State beat Rice in its home park. It's called Reckling Park, and I can't wait to go back there in a month. Very cool. Uh, how did the COVID canceling all of the 2020 season impact Kansas State and you know college baseball in general? Well, it meant less, you know, less repetitions, obviously, uh, for for everybody. Uh, there were still some summer baseball that was played. So, so Kansas state had some guys, you know, play some summer baseball, but you know, it's also led to some changes in, in what will be the, you know, the major league draft coming up uh, a little bit later this year and, and when it's held and so forth. Um, you know, that's, I think that's a great question. And that's what remains to be seen is what, what was that ultimate impact overall you know, what people may not think about Fitzy is, you know, football obviously garners all the headlines. And, you know, and everybody's talking about, well, Skyler Thompson's coming back and now Noah Johnson's coming back. And, you know, what, what the football roster is going to be like. Well, the same is true on the baseball front. Because K-State had a number of seniors last year, but those guys are back. There are guys like, again, Seymour and, um, the, the outstanding hard-throwing right-hander and some other guys that may have been drafted last year, but now they're coming back. Well, K-State's roster is a little bit bigger. And again, the scholarship thing, which I'm, I'll, I don't want to editorialize, but again, college baseball scholarship numbers are just ridiculous. ridiculous. It's just a joke. Um, but, you know, K-State's got some really talented freshmen. They've got some, some newcomers that are going to fortify this squad and, one thing you have to do, Fitz, in, in Big 12 baseball is you have to have enough pitching and you have to be able to play defense. You have to win those games that are four to three. Uh, you know, and there's not typically a lot of them, but I think teams are just going to be that much deeper in their rotations. And fortunately for Kansas State, I think that'll be the case this year. Well, I'm intrigued. Like I said, I think Go Cat's going to spend some resources on covering Kansas State baseball. Hey, and there's also there's a new video board. I mean, you want to talk yeah. about the amenities, you know, during the seventh inning stretch fits, you're going to be able to go down the third baseline and play on the playground stuff with all the munchkins. So, I That's mean, my style. It, the, the feel around the ballpark is just going to be tremendous. And it's, <clears throat> you know, uh, I... I chuckle because I'm old enough I can say this. I remember that Saturday when when I was getting ready to, to get out the equipment from my vehicle and walk into the, the treehouse of a press box that we used to have, and there was gravel under it and under the, the fiberglass bleachers that were brought over from a Hearn Field house. And as I got out of my car... Tom Asbury has Dax Jones, the former Junction City Dax Jones, with him on a recruiting visit. And they were standing between the, the press box and the first base bleachers. And I, I, I said hi. And as I'm going into the press box, I said to myself, why on God's earth is Tom Asbury showing Dax Jones our baseball facility. Why don't, this is the last place you want to bring him to. Um, and from, from what it was then, or, you know, standing behind, standing behind, um, Oklahoma state's, uh, legendary head coach from years ago, uh, 
in between games of a doubleheader at the porta potty, <laughs> listening to him cuss out Kansas State for that. From then to what it is now, Fitz is just it's incredible. It's extremely incredible and rewarding. I tell you what, it's important for coaches to close down their borders and protect their borders, and Tom Asbury did that very well with the borders of Junction City. It was his recruiting territory, and he owned it. No comment. Uh, that's it for the first half of the Powercat Insiders podcast. On the other half, Jay Heidrich steps in to join us as we turn our attention to K-State basketball. It's K-State and KU on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, check your schedules. They've moved it back a day in Bramlage Coliseum. We'll be right back. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald and Matt Walters, and now we're joined by Jay Heidrich, our basketball analyst. And, of course, we're sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. It's a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Well, gentlemen, we now turn our attention to Kansas State basketball. The Cats and Jayhawks will play Wednesday night in Bramlage Coliseum. I expect about 1,500 fans to be there for the first time in a long time. Um, I had my guys count the last home game with Texas. They got to 500. They thought there was about 500 fans in the stands. Um, as Man, it's just uh, been a struggle this season. K-State is right now. What are they? They're five and seventeen and one and twelve on the season with their loss on Saturday at Oklahoma State. And I thought it would be a game in which they could be competitive. And Jay Heidrick, they weren't competitive in the first half. They fell well behind. So far behind that a fourteen hole run in the second half didn't even get them fully back in contention in this game. They ended up losing sixty seven sixty. It doesn't appear to be that bad on paper, but it really wasn't very good. That first half was dreadful. Yeah, I mean, they ended up losing by seven, but it might as well have been 70. You know, you have, you have, you have a couple of ways you can lose a game by single digits. One is, you know, you're down two to four points going to the last minute, and you, the other team makes some free throws, and you lose by seven. It looks worse than it was. We had the converse here where K-State was down 10, 12 points with 90 seconds to go and threw in some buckets at the end to, to cut it to seven. I mean, K-State went on a 16-0 run or 20-0 run, uh, I believe. No, 16-0 run. And, and and still at one point was down 15 points in the second half um, after after cutting it to four. Um, yeah, it, it just – it was it, it was disappointing. It wasn't all bad. I thought – Antonio Gordon played a phenomenal game, um, but some of the some some of the problems just continued to um, uh, uh, rear their heads. You know, there yeah. there was three possessions I think where one was offensive rebound where Selton Miguel just watches it bounce twice. Oklahoma State uh, towards the top towards the top of the key. Oklahoma State gets the ball, gets a bucket. We come down, turn it over. Oklahoma State comes down, gets an easy bucket. 
Uh, we come down, jack a three, Oklahoma State goes down, gets another easy bucket. I mean, that if you were going to put K-State's season thus far into a three possessions, that's pretty much it. And unfortunately, this game was two. And I read your column, Vince, and uh, I, it is. It's disappointing that you're coming off of two games that you look like you, you had progress, where you look like you're in a spot you might be able to win uh, a game and Oklahoma State was a really winnable game with likely out and um, you know the lack of interest that Cade Cunningham has been showing apparently in various games and just to sh- not show up I mean that's uh, disappointing is the only word I can say for it and that's you know unfortunately been a word we've, we've used a lot this season so far. Yeah, Matt, we found out after the game from the players and Coach Weber that they had bad practices, and my column was about how. How, right when you start to play better, do you lose your focus? But I guess that's another lesson to be learned by this young team. However, the bright point, as Jay pointed out, was Antonio Gordon seems to be settling into his role as a defender, kind of a cleanup score, just get down there and get some offensive rebounds. He had six offensive rebounds, 14 total in the game, as along with his 15 points, he had his first career double-double. Antonio Gordon is beginning to finally settle in, and I think they did it by narrowing what they want him to do. You know, quit quit worrying about the three-pointer, quit worrying about creating your own shot, go get the ball off the rim and score on the offensive end or get us started on the defensive end with a fast break. And he looked pretty good. And I'm really happy to see it from Antonio. Hey, think about the last maybe three weeks, let's say two weeks at least. And Antonio's kind of figured out what his role is. Uh, and and I, again, I think some other guys need to, you know, and we had Jared Sutton on a couple of weeks ago and I, I uttered the, those three words of know your role. I mean, he's, he's the guy that, it really has. And I think Nigel Pack has understood his role for a long time, but you know, Nigel didn't have uh, the greatest of games, only hit five shots. K State shot up poorly early on. Uh, but I'll be honest, I was I was surprised to see the final numbers. I was able to listen to part of it. I had the the women's game and, and when I got out of the car to go into Bramlage, K State was down like twelve. And then when I uh, started to get set up in Bramlage, I look up and they're back within four at forty one thirty seven thinking, hey, maybe this, maybe there is a chance this happens today. So I uh, I get out the scotch tape, I tape down my charts, and I look back up, and it's 48-37. I'm like, here we go again. Um, it's, it is what it is. It's disappointing. Good word to use. Uh, we're dealing with, again, freshmen that don't really have the first clue what consistency is all about, and that's why you know, why we're seeing what we're seeing. I mean, KU comes in on Wednesday night, and if I were to say Fitz and Jay, K-State is in the game with five minutes to go, what are you going to say? My guess is you're going to say no. Yeah, I would be shocked by that and pleased by that, but even if that takes place, I don't think they'll win the game. They just aren't refined enough at this point to understand how to win games. And the... What I think is going to happen Wednesday night, where I think the KUK State rivalry is now on a basketball standpoint, is I think it's – I hesitate to say more important, but it's more important to the KU players right now to beat K-State because they've been there longer, if that makes sense. You know, it's you – know, you have the, you know, the, the court storming that happens, you know, when you, when you play in Manhattan, you have the – you know, the we're KU, how dare does K-State think that they can play with us uh, attitude. And so those KU players have that chip on the shoulder of we're better than you and we're going to show you. And I'm not sure that these freshmen had the opportunity, have had the opportunity to fully appreciate what that rivalry means um, and how seriously KU takes this game, um, even though their fans won't uh, acknowledge it. Let me ask Jay this. Because I was, my mind was thinking partly about what you said. Does Kansas State, do those guys figure it out? They understand just what it means if they get housed by 25 or 30. I mean, is it that point? Is that what it takes for them to understand it? Because, I mean, I, I don't like the, the comparison necessarily of football to basketball. K-State kicks the crap out of Kansas and 
football and typically in basketball, it's vice versa. But for, for this group of freshmen and, you know, a, a guy like Luke Kasupke, who's just now getting a taste of it. And for Casey, uh, Casey Eziegu, who's just getting a taste of it, not a freshman, I get it. Um, in case it's really only playing about eight guys right now, but is it going to take a thumping by KU for them to understand just what this means or not? I don't, I don't think the score is going to matter um, at all with it. I think it's more than just the score. I mean, I don't think Bruce Weber and Bill Self exchange Christmas cards every year. Um, and, and I, you know, what I know, I don't know Bill Self at all, but what I do know of him, I can see him making this personal um, in practices to KU players and uh, wanting to do that. Like I, I had the opportunity to um, have lunch with Roy Williams and get to know some of his staff when I was in law school at KU because I'd play noon ball with some of the coaches and stuff. And, and they said that their goal every year when they played K-State was to make Tom Asbury as red as possible. Um, <laughs> so, Which we, keep in mind, that was really hard to do because yeah. he had the orange glow about him all the time. They, they didn't care about the score. They didn't care what was going on. Their job was just to piss him off. And so... You know, I think there's some of that that goes on with Bill Self and, and Bruce. It's, you know, hey, Bruce, I don't like you, and I'm going to have my players show that to you. And I think – and so I, I don't think it's a score thing. I think when you're a freshman at K-State, you get the rivalry when you walk into Bramwich Coliseum and you see the atmosphere of Bramwich Coliseum for the KU game and how it's different than every other game. Uh, it's, you know, there's some great crowds as long as season might be, but that KU crowd is just different every year. And I think that's really when it sets in that this is important. And, and those kids aren't going to have the opportunity to see that this year and feel that and understand that. And so, whereas the kids on KU's team have had that opportunity, they've been there, they've been chanted at by the student section. They've been called names and things like that. So it's a little more personal to them. So when I say that, you know, it's it's not personal to the freshmen, it's not that they don't care. I mean, I'm not implying that at all. It's just they're they're not educated yet on on what what this really means and because they haven't experienced it. They haven't tasted true vitriol yeah. yet. You don't you don't know hate until you've been in the Bramwich Coliseum. You know, <laughs> we can't use it there. It amazes me that when they went to Lawrence, they were psyched out before they even started. I don't know who talked to them about Allen Fieldhouse, but they did a lousy job. I mean, Davion Bradford admitted to Coach Weber after he was a nervous wreck. And I know Allen Fieldhouse is kind of storied and famous, but you can't have your team psyched out even when it's mostly empty. That was really, really disappointing. Maybe the best news to come out of Saturday, Jay, was the fact that they finally started dedicating themselves to getting the ball inside. And that's really how they got going in the second half is, is they went inside. We already mentioned Antonio Gordon, who was 7-13 to 13 from that four spot. And the two big guys, Davion Bradford and Casey Eziegu, uh, rotated through the post. They were combined 9-14 of 14 with nine rebounds. Uh, so they had a lot of scoring through the post. I mean, they ended up, uh, those two ended up with, what, uh, 18 points. Uh, so what I'm saying here is between Gordon and the two big guys, they did almost all the making of shots. The rest of the team did most of the taking of shots. The rest of the team was eight of 34 from the field. If you weren't at the four or five spot, you were eight of 34. I, I know KU's okay in the middle, but I think they just absolutely have to keep hammering it inside over and over and over again on Wednesday. Because I think they've got something in the paint. I think those guys are pretty good, and they did show an, an ability to score on the offensive end, which honestly K-State hasn't had in the post in a long time. Yeah, I mean, there were 8 of 34, and five of those were Nigel Pack. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that just – and he didn't – I mean, he, he made five buckets, but he took 16. I mean, he didn't have a great game, you know, overall when you, when you look at how efficient he's been um, – most times of the year, but yeah, when you, when you play through the post, it does so many different things. You talk about what you want to do on offense is you want to make the defense shift. I mean, my nine-year-old son can guard Nigel Pack. Nigel Pack just stands there and drills. 
Um, if he just stands there, you know, anyone can guard anyone if you don't move. But when you make the defense shift, then it puts the defense out of position. Someone's open, and you, and you make the defense be moving, and they're off balance and things like that. And you do that a number of different ways, and a lot of them is uh, is is penetrating the paint. And we you talk about with you know dribble penetration is one way to do it, but what people don't realize is you can penetrate the paint by throwing the ball into the post too, because it forces someone to come over. And particularly with KU, um, they they like to double team the post, and so you're going to get defenses off balance and force them to rotate. And when you get people running at shooters, when you get people off balance and doing anything other than just standing there, you've created an advantage for the offense. You at least have a chance to take advantage of Um, now. And that's just a very different approach than when you, um, when when you stand there, run a high pick and roll and, and, and shoot a three off of it. The post doesn't have to score. It's the threat of scoring of the post that can lead to other baskets. And, and here, you know, our posts were able to score on Saturday. Um, but but that threat of scoring, if you continue to play through them, and I hear, if I hear Lance Blanks one more time on a broadcast say that we need to stop throwing the ball inside and play more through the guards, I might break my TV. That's a guy who obviously hasn't watched K-State much play, play much this year. Um, you got you, you you play through the post, particularly with the players that we have that you can that you can um, create points and opportunities for your guards in those situations. Matt, it's, here's, yeah. here's the thing I would say. I didn't apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off there. You know, to take it a step further, uh, along with what Jay said, and and this is not a this year only type thing, but I mean, let's be pretty honest here. KU doesn't respect K State. Why should they? And don't think don't think for a second that they do. Uh, if if I'm going to defend K State or if, if I'm putting together that game plan uh, outside of one guy on the perimeter, and that guy is Nigel Pack, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guard. And I don't know that KU even respects K State's post play, um, especially with those guys saying after game one, yeah, we were kind of psyched out. If I'm if I'm KU, I'm gonna do what I can defend everything in the post. You know, um, McCormick had a good game against K State the first go around, but I am going to dare everybody else other than Nigel Pack have it, shoot it. I'm gonna I want to see you make three or four of them, and then I'll guard you. I mean, KU can get away with that, and KU's not that great this year. But I'm with Jay. I mean, you gotta you gotta get it into the post. I think Davion's got to stay in the ball game. He get he can't get out of foul trouble. I think K State can get some points in the paint, um, but yeah, I mean KU when it comes to K State on the perimeter, they don't respect the Wildcats in any way, shape, or form in terms of offensive game. You can't have Selden Miguel going zero and seven. You just can't have that in this game. No, no, and and you know zero and seven and one rebound. I mean, there's one thing you can do is go get a rebound. You're athletic. I mean, on either end, I don't care what, what it is. You, you, you there's got to be more there. And that's unfortunately we've we mentioned that several times too much in recent games on on this podcast. And you got to get more out of self and Miguel because there's a lot more there to give. You know, Matt, to your point, um, KU's played a lot more zone this year than they have in years past, and I would not be surprised if Bill uh, Self ran a lot of zone on uh, Wednesday uh, for that reason. You know, we're going to, we're going to pack it in. We're going to make you make shots from the outside. We're going to rebound then we're going to run and we're going to see if you can, if you can find a gap, if you can find gaps in our zone and, and, and make shots, we'll get out of it. But otherwise that's proven to be a pretty successful formula against K-State so far this year. To me, always the key, <laughs> always. And Fitz, you were in your twenties and I was in my teens but one of the keys is always you cannot let KU have that 13 to 2 run or that 15 0 run because then you're done. Yep. I mean, typically, the, kind of the joke has been by that first media timeout is K State going to be down double figures yet or not? And the, the other thing that I have always, and somebody will squawk at me for this, that's fine. But one thing that I have always admired about how Bill Self coaches his team is even Mike Krzyzewski, uh, even the Tom Izzo, e- even the other great coaches that there are, K-State always has trouble 
with KU out of timeouts and off of inbounds plays. There is always the baseline alley-oop for a dunk. Always. It happens every game. It's happened every game since all of us were conceived. And in case they can't, can't do anything about it, we, you see it on tape. You know it's coming. Jay knows it's coming. Fitz, you know it's coming. I know it's coming. Out of the timeout. Guys, here it comes. Baseline alley-oop. Backside. And we'll get yep. sucked over and the guy's jumping off the top of the backboard and slamming it down. That KU is better at that, calling out-of-bounds plays, than anybody in college basketball. My uh, my father-in-law was here uh, earlier this month, um, or actually January, and, and he, uh, he, he came, we were watching K-State play a game, and someone scored on an inbounds play. And for those who don't know, my father-in-law, Missy's dad, he's in the Minnesota Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, High School Basketball Hall of Fame, as a coach for both boys and girls. So um, he, he knows what he's talking about. And he just starts laughing, and he goes, I don't get it. He got, I said, what do you mean? He goes, I, I've seen you guys give up two or three buckets this game on inbounds plays. It's the only time in basketball where you're playing five on four in favor of the defense. How can you give up points on an inbound play when you have the, when you have the other side outnumbered five on four? And it just, he's right. You know, um, what, what, what do you, what do you do with that? Man, it. I wonder how many points Bill Self gets for his team in a typical K-State KU game. Inbounds plays, call something from the sideline, uh, opening of halves, you name it. Coming out of timeouts, he ten to fourteen. He, yeah, it's incredible. It's usually it's not just K-State. No, he does it to everyone, it's but everybody. Um, it's it's really amazing to watch him do it against K-State over and over and over. Uh, this is a game, if it plays out like you guys have said, maybe zone from Kansas, it, it's probably time for Luke Kasupke to step up and, and be the shooter that we think he is. I mean, he's so careful right now. I, I respect him for being very uh, very selective in his shooting, but you know he's not on the court because of his defense rebounding and athleticism. All of them are fine. He's on the court, though, because he has a reputation of hitting three-pointers, and this team needs it. He only took one one uh, three-pointer on Saturday, it looks like, um, and that was his only shot of the game. He had five free throws in the game. but In, in 21 minutes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's incredible. Uh, it will be very interesting to watch, guys. Um, literally for me, Outside of winning the Big 12 tournament, which that's just comical to say, this is the only way to save any kind of face out of the season. Beating TCU next Saturday doesn't do it for me. It would be nice. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather have that win than no wins at all coming down the stretch. But for in Bruce Weber's world with his boss and key donors, beating KU would be uh, enormous. And it, it shouldn't be that. We shouldn't be to the point where that's all that matters, but here we are. Um, because I, I go back to that first game. Jay Matt, it wasn't like KU played well. They won by 20-some points, and they did not play well. That's how mismatched that game was. KU gave a C effort, and it won in a blowout. Yeah. I mean, it could happen I again. Think it takes a yeah. Yeah. I think I texted you. It looked like two teams that hated playing basketball. Um, you know, I, I, they did. KU didn't exactly look like they wanted to oh. be there. And I've got a theory on that. You know, we've there was a, a stat that said the 13 winning, I think it was last week, the 13 winningest programs in the history of college basketball um, weren't ranked in the top 25. Yep. And, and so I've got a theory that, you know, Bill Self, John Calipari, Mike Krzyzewski, you know, Roy Williams – those are hard guys to play for because they demand a lot out of you. They demand a lot mentally, physically. Uh, they don't let you slide. There is intense competition for playing time amongst their rosters. And so you are always battling, 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 and that wears on you. So what do you get out of that? Then how do we, how do you get through that? I get to play at Allen Fieldhouse, you know, 20 times a year in front of, 15,000 fans are just going absolute bonkers. And so that sacrifice is, is, is it, I'm looking forward to that every week. And then when I go to Manhattan, 
I get to make a bunch of people in purple who are chanting obscenities at me cry. And I get to do the same thing at Baylor and at Texas and everything. And so I feed off of that energy. Well, now I'm just getting beat down, but I don't have the opportunity to go um, get the good side out of that. So it's just being drained all the time. When I watch KU play, I, I don't see kids have a lot of fun uh, with that. And, and I think it's my suspicion is that they're just getting beat down and don't get the fulfillment that they normally get of being everyone's, you know, insert color here, blackout or white out or red out, whatever it is. Um, and, and don't, and certainly don't have the, the, the crowd noise that they have in Allen Fieldhouse. Interesting. I, I can buy into that. Plus, without the crowd, they're not getting some of the calls I think they're used to at home. I, I really believe that. And I think that's happened to all of those programs that you just mentioned. They've lost their home court advantage without big crowds. And and uh, not only does that motivate your team, it also kind of uh, intimidates officials, if you want to say it that way. But um, it, it's been a very interesting season in college basketball. Matt, will they get it done Wednesday night? And by get it done, I mean uh, at least don't lose it in double digits. So when you say get it done, you don't mean when. <laughs> That's where I'm at with this season. Can they be close? If K-State loses by single digits at home, whether KU gives a C effort or not, then it's that, okay. it's... that's a positive, as, as painful as it is. To say that, I mean, um, there are some things that K-State can do against KU, but doing it for 40 minutes is maybe beyond the realm of, of possibilities. If, if what Jay said, if, K, if KU just plays zone, that's what they're yeah. going to do. Hey, well, I would. Uh, I would. I'd lick my chops at it, but I don't think K-State's basketball acumen is where – it's remotely close to where it would need to be to to take care of business and win that. And, Jay, Matt mentioned earlier that KU always has that run against K-State. Well, that's that's not uncommon for all Bruce Weber teams. They, they tend to always have a period, uh, but it's really been personified with this group. I mean, they opened up the second half against Texas and just collapsed and somehow got back into it. Um, they got back into the the game against Oklahoma State. You, I don't know how you stop a young team from giving up those runs, but I got news for them. They give up that run against KU. They're not getting back into it. KU will keep the pressure on and and uh, keep it spread out enough where they won't be allowed to feel good about things. No, oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, people, you talk about the Texas game, um, and there were a lot of things that, that were impressive in the Texas game, a lot of things that improved in that. K-State still went 13 minutes and scored one field goal. Incredible. In the Texas game. Can't do that. Um, and so the, 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, if that happens against KU, they're going to close the door on it and, and, and it'll be done. If you go 13 minutes with scoring two points, I mean, in Texas, they got back into it because, you know, for the athletes that it has, Texas might run worse offense than we do. Um, just be, with the shots that they take and the decisions that they make and, and things like that. But, you know, you're not going to get that out of a Bell Self team. No. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to run their stuff. They're going to guard you. They're going to get the, the manufactured baskets. And, and that's where it gets down to, you know, to stop that. That's where Bill Self, you, you see one of the things why he's one in the College Basketball Hall of Fame is because you don't see that from KU a lot because he, he'll design up a, a play to get themselves a quality shot. I mean, in 13 minutes, you should be able to go grease board something that says, hey, we're going to go get a bucket here, and this is what we're going to do. And, and he does a good job with his timeouts to make sure it's not rolling downhill, things like that. But, yeah, it, it, so as as encouraging as the Texas game, the Texas Tech game were, and, and, and some things of the Oklahoma State game, there's still a lot, a lot of issues here. If we don't shoot 50% in the first half from three against Texas – that's 20 points at halftime mm-hmm. uh, right now. Um, so there, 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 there's some things to improve on, but there's still a lot of things that um, that that we shouldn't just gloss over here that, that could come to light on Wednesday night in a bad way. I, I still can't explain going with one bucket 
for 13 minutes and you score 77 points. You scored 74 or 75 points basically in 27 minutes of play, and that is so different. The 77 alone over 40 minutes is different for K-State. But to do that and to have a, a span like that is absolutely rem- remarkable. Well, boys, we'll find out on Wednesday night if they can compete. I'm very optimistic about Saturday at TCU. I think that's really the last opportunity K-State has here in the schedule to probably steal a win since apparently the Big 12 isn't going to reschedule that Iowa State game, unfortunately. But it tips off at 7 p.m. on Wednesday night. The game was originally scheduled for Tuesday. KU is coming off a three-game week, and I think K-State agreed to move it back a day to give them some more rest, which was very noble. Uh, but it also moved the game off of one of the ESPN channels, the ESPN Plus, which is an upside right now for K-State basketball. It's not good for fans, but not many people get to see what's happening on the court. And that's the sad reality in which we live right now with Kansas State basketball. Well, we appreciate everyone listening. It's been the Powercat Insiders podcast. We hope you can make it to Bramlage Coliseum on Wednesday night. I hope you're one of the people that can get in there. And maybe, just maybe, you'll see a Wildcat close loss. Powercat podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.